Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. As a gentle disclaimer, please note that the content of TNTMI is for general informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or care. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider regarding any medical condition. Welcome, everyone. I'm Avneeth, and I'm here with my co-host, Samna. And our guest today is Dr. Thayeba Ahmed. Welcome. Thank you Thanks. for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. For those that don't know, Dr. Ahmed is a board-certified physical medicine and rehabilitation physician and an expert in both women and men's sexual health. You now work at one of the founding offices of the Pelvic Rehabilitation Center here in New York. So give us a little bit background on like how you got involved, how you got interested in pelvic pain. So pelvic pain can be like addressed from so many different aspects. So I am a physiatrist by Mm -hmm. training. That means I'm like a sports medicine doctor and I focus in physical medicine and rehab. Within physical medicine and rehab, there's not a huge focus on pelvic. Uh, One of of my colleagues reached out and asked if I wanted to be involved in it. She had started her practice, pelvic rehab medicine. It started off with a lot of women and then men came. There's just so many aspects to it mm-hmm. with like the pelvic floor that affects the reproductive organs, the sexual organs, and then obviously the bowel and bladder and um, the joints of the pelvis. So like the hips and the pubic bone. What does pelvic pain mm-hmm. mean? Like what is what is the sensation that they're like, okay, I need to go see a specialist versus like thinking it's a UTI or thinking it's something else. So that's why it's so confusing because for a lot of people, let's say you wake up and you have like burning urination and then you're like okay oh my god I have a UTI or maybe I had sex last night and now I'm feeling like I have a UTI people a lot of times people are like okay let me go to the urologist or let me go to urgent care right first thing you do city MD go stop in drop urine and they're like oh you have a little bit of dirt in your urine like it's not clean let's get you on a u- antibiotic you get on it sometimes patients it gets better and they're like okay then usually when it's someone feels like they have a uti and it doesn't get better with an antibiotic that that can actually mimic pelvic floor dysfunction so it mm-hmm. seems like you have a uti but it's actually pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic floor dysfunction is just basically a broad term an umbrella term for something's wrong with your pelvic floor now that's a little bit even more complicated because you have this huge umbrella and the umbrella has people with really tight pelvic floors, people with really loose pelvic floors, and then the people who are normal in the middle who don't really have any symptoms, who just have pelvic floors that are doing what they're supposed to be doing, letting you pee and poop and have sex and all that. Um, The people who are super tight usually classically present with pain and the people who are super loosey-goosey on this side are the people who are leaking who don't have pain but have problems with their pelvic floor so like grandma in depends diapers Mm. or the lady who just had three kids stereotypically and now she's jumping up and down and she's leaking so it's it's why you have to get examined and be properly uh, looked at so in terms of your question what are people presenting with anything i have pain in my hip i have pain when i run I have pain in my anus. I have burning down there. Mm. I'm wearing underwear and my underwear is making me, I mean, I could go forever. Yeah. So do people normally go to a few other doctors before finding you? A thousand Because they don't percent. know, right? That no. it's a pelvic They usually the issue. go to their doctor, their primary care. Yeah. And then maybe they go to a GYN, maybe urology. I'll say that we do have randomly people show up first. It's like very rare. The internet's like doing its job. Mm-hmm. But before it was like, yeah, people would see like 10 to 12 doctors. When you Google any of these topics, like if you say like, how long have you had it? You'll find people say, I've had this for 15 years. I've had this for 20 years. I've had this for five years. I could see myself being 
like frustrated with that whole oh, yeah. yeah the journey of like okay if like five doctors can't tell me what's going on what's, I'm just what are the deal. chances the next doctor is gonna help yeah me. so people a lot of times they put it they close this book and they're like you know what I'm just gonna live my life I guess I'm just gonna yeah. have this burning or it's just gonna have to hurt with sex there was this recent patient who had like three months of pain and he was using a penile pump for like two years he came in with his dad like a desi guy and I, his dad was like tell him to take away the pump but I was like yeah you need to stop and like just like with any muscle, whether you're building your arm, biceps, or triceps, you can't build your penile muscles. The same thing. I was like, how did you find me? Yeah. It's like Reddit. <laughs> I was like, oh. Was so how nice would job. someone like that even think of like finding a pump and being like, this is a solution to my problem? Well, that's what caused his problems. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what caused his problems. But yeah, that was like, he was like 17 or something when he started oh, using it. Mm. wrong kind of gym yeah (laughs) (laughs) so how how common is it is it something that's very common for both men and women i think like endometriosis is like a really big topic Mm -hmm. and endo is like supposedly one in every 10 but i feel like endo has to be like one in every five i mean literally i couldn't start talking to you about painful periods and like you'll tell me someone who has like a really painful period but men you know it's not super common but like here's the thing there's like very like i could probably list on my hands things that cause me pelvic pain in men Mm. um sitting long periods of time so i get a lot of truck drivers investment bankers people teachers like during covid they started sitting a lot lifting people who lift heavy oh i was doing this weights and then i was doing this and then i was working out when i i I thought it was going to help my pain so i started working out lifting heavy and now my pain's worse than like the masturbation like when they overdo it Mm. and they do things that um can aggravate those muscles like that's where i would put in like the penile pump and you know sexual history trauma basically let's call it that the tailbone stuff like injuries like falls biking and that this can happen with women also but like a lot of like pelotoning and then like a bacterial prostatitis which is like prostatitis without an infection cause that's usually what like the biggest the biggest five if i had to say for pale males pelvic pain and outside of endo what are the most other common for women i'd say vaginismus is super Mm. common not popular super popular um (laughs) super common because vaginismus is like an uncontrolled unwanted um, contraction of the pelvic floor muscles that's usually related then i would say trauma if for like if we're talking about sexual history like trauma um unwanted sexual contact abuse or trauma I would say like a hormonal, like a postmenopausal or your body is like lacking some hormone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've definitely heard from people that we've talked to that, you know, the diagnosis, just getting the right diagnosis is a big obstacle still. What I like to do is be very open and honest. Like, and by the time they get to me, they've tried every antibiotic under the sun Mm. and I don't prescribe it. I don't check urine. And I tell them, I said, listen, this could be muscles, joints, nerves, uh, hormones. So what I'll do is what I can do. If it's an infectious cause, like you've already done that usually with someone else. Um, So then, but if like, sometimes, like I said, sometimes a patient will show up and be like, I just here for the first time. And I'm like, Let's go back to urology, make sure it's not an infectious cause because I, I want to do my due diligence and make sure. And so we have to do that workup. Yeah. I'm not looking for cancer, which is another thing that a lot of doctors are looking for. So, so a lot of, remember, a lot of these doctors are like, listen, I don't deal with pain, but what I do do is make sure you don't have an infection or a cancer. You know, as frustrated as patients are, they are still getting a proper yeah. workup. 
what they need to understand is that not every doctor does every single thing. And that's where the cracks in medicine fall, because there are these little cracks that patients fall into and they don't know where, like where they can, where they belong. Yeah. And so unfortunately, and fortunately we have the internet to help them find where they should go. That's why like social media is good. But then I say like sometimes social media can be really bad because if you start Googling things and you go down these like crazy social media rabbit holes of like, my yeah. pelvic pain never resolved and I've had it for 25 years and, <laughs> and like, and you're going to have to live with it, like yeah. knowing where to go. I mean, I could see a lot of people from like South Asian people reaching out to you just because they're like, someone who looks like me gets what I'm mm-hmm. going through. Well, one, there's the shame, right? Of yeah. like anything down there is taboo to talk about. Yeah. But um, also just like from what you're saying, going to the right person And if you are someone who's, let's say you're on your parents' insurance, which is, these are multiple conversations that we've had. If anyone's on their parents' insurance, they are scared to get the right help because they don't want that insurance bill or they don't want the HCP for some reason contacting their parents. You know, I had a lot, I've had a bunch of Desi girls like from outside of New York, even New Jersey. And they're like, oh, um, right now I'm living with my parents. So I can't do the dilators when I'm home because I don't want them to see them. It's not usually like the 18-year-olds that are coming with their moms about sex. Painful periods, yes. Endometriosis workups, yes. But not for like sex or other symptoms down there. Like, because God forbid my urinary symptoms are related to sex. Then I don't want my mom thinking I'm having sex. I feel like uh, a lot of a lot of these acute issues then become chronic and chronic pain is much harder to treat than acute pain. Even like the endometriosis, right? Like let's say it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And now it's like five years later, people have their periods 13, 12, nine, like even nine. Mm-hmm. And they tell mom, hey, I'm having painful periods. Oh yeah, I did too, babe. Don't worry. And <laughs> here's some Motrin. Here's some Aleve. Here's some, and I do too, my daughter. I'm like, oh, here's a hot pack. Do you want a hot water bottle? I'm not going to go like having you have surgery, but most moms don't even realize there's something actually, there could be something wrong Mm -hmm. until they're like, oh, my daughter is like on the ground. I can't get her up anymore. She can't go to school. She's skipping school now. She's in so much pain. Kid goes to college, 21, 22, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to live with this. I don't care. I'm just going to live with it. Let's see that a lot of that. And then now they're 25. They're still having pain. And now it's like, well, I want to get married. I'm having pain with sex, but I've had pain with sex for the last 10 years anyway, so whatever. But now I can't get pregnant. Then it's like, well, mm. this is what we, we should have worked up because now the endo has grown so much that it can affect fertility. I mean, the thing with endometriosis, I feel like it's any, but anything's fair game. Um, because endometriosis is not within the uterus, would taking it out make sense? No. And that's why a lot of people don't get but it's not in the uterus. So all these celebrities like Lena Dunham and um, they're all taking out their uteruses. They're not taking it out for endometriosis. Mm -hmm. They're taking it out for adenomyosis. And that's within the uterus. So within the uterine wall, it's basically like having endo in the uterus wall. That's when you would do a hysterectomy. Right. I think it's, um, that's a very important distinction. And definitely in the media, it does seem like endometriosis means remove the uterus, get this big surgery. I don't know if you remember when Angelina Jolie took out her breast Mm -hmm. and like there was like an uptick in in, in mastectomies because people were like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to risk it. So I'm just going to have a mastectomy too. I feel like it's not, it's like poorly done by the celebrities when they write these like, like these New York Times posts about their endometriosis and they don't like say, hey, this is endo. This is adeno. Um, They just hear like the, the buzzword is endo. Right. And so then people are just like jumping on the on the hysterectomy 
Yeah, and the problem with that is like it's very permanent. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. It's also they're writing from like a sample size of one, and I yeah. think that's very yeah. prevalent in just like social media in general. Um, the other kind of buzz um, diagnosis that's out there is PCOS, and I I feel like the two sound very similar when you think about like symptoms. Do you see a lot of patients confusing, like coming in saying, I've been diagnosed with PCOS, and then you're like, well, actually, no, this is endo. So, you know, when you think of PCOS, you're a lot of GYNs are looking at a patient that will say, oh, this patient's overweight, patient has like a growth of extra hair, um, acne, um, periods are really irregular, you probably have PCOS, you know, understanding like I'm not a GYN. So at the end of the day, like obviously speak with your GYN, but understanding whether there are certain types of cysts and some like most cysts are they're benign, they don't cause pain, they shouldn't cause pain. Um, and then there's also endometriomas, mm-hmm. which are cysts in the setting of endometriosis. And that can be confusing because if a patient's like, I'm dying, I'm in so much pain, I just had my period, and I'm like, I literally feel like something just ruptured inside of me, let me go to the ER. But the ER is like, we'll do an ultrasound. Oh, there's no cyst, or maybe there's some fluid, but they don't really know. So a lot of times people just think cyst, they think PCOS. We don't know what, what, what cyst it was. <clears throat> MRIs are very expensive to do, and insurance companies don't cover them like for fun. So a lot of people are doing these um, transvaginal ultrasounds. But remember, transvaginal ultrasound with someone with painful sex means they have to go into the vagina. So a lot of people are avoiding those too. It can be very confusing. So unless you're like, oh, I, I know I have this cyst. I went to the ER because I'm in a ton of pain. And then I went back and I did another cyst, another ultrasound, and saw that the cyst is now gone. Then you could be like, oh, my cyst properly ruptured in that amount of time. But who's doing this? Like who's doing like a baseline yeah. study of like, oh, this is my pain before. Like every cycle, are you going to the, you know, the your doctor to be like, can you do a transvaginal ultrasound? Let me see how many cysts I have in there right now. Like, no. Yeah. And you don't know when you're going to be in a ton of pain, right? So it can be very confusing. So what I often see is a lot of patients come in, like they're 25, 27. Oh, did you go to the ER a lot when you had pain? Um, like for, like for cysts. And like, oh yeah, I had this really crazy cyst rupture. That's different than in the setting of PCOS. Like PCOS mm. patients usually just have a ton of extra cysts, but their periods are very irregular. They're not like going to the ER running because they're having these like crazy episodes of like intense, painful, like rupt- cyst ruptures. I actually had that happen. Just the cyst piece. I was going to the to work. This was like almost 10 years ago now. I was going to work on the subway and all of a sudden I started getting really sweaty and hot and I was like, okay, I have to leave. So I like left. I went to a Starbucks and I had the worst pain mm-hmm. like right in my abdomen. Did not know what it was. And of course you're in New York City. So like no one cares that you're in no pain. No one cares. Not one person not was person. It, what, what, like, I was crying. I was crying. I was in so much pain. And not one person was like, are you okay? I was like, why do I live in fucking New York City? I know. Like, but what? nobody would have stopped anywhere. No one would have. Okay, well, no, no, no. I mean, because you'd be like in your car somewhere. That's true. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. If I was alone. But there was people around me and I was clearly in pain, yeah. but they were just like, whatever. So I got, I had to like go get a cab and I went to the ER and it was a cyst, but yeah. I, it, it went away on its own, I guess. Cause I never, I never yeah. went back to your point to get it like checked. Yeah. <laughs> like most people are not, they're not yeah. like going back, but like, that's the thing. Like if you had like these recurrent episodes where you yeah. were like feeling like you're dying, like you'd probably be getting a couple of MRIs here and there and yes, some ultrasounds yes. in between. It was not a recurring like thankfully, that. but yeah, it was funny. Yeah, that, that happened that way. But yeah, yeah. no, totally. It's a, uh, it's interesting, right? Because you want to like spread awareness, and I get that the celebrities are trying to do that, and it's it's nice, it's good that they're tr- spreading awareness. But at the same time, you have to balance it with like each person's 
unique situation is going to be so different. Yeah. So yeah. obviously the only way for them to like figure out what it is for them is to go to a specialist or a doctor and figure that yeah. out. And so like, and it has to be accurate information. Yeah. So yeah, that's the problem also with social media is like a lot of people are like, well, you know, I saw this hack on TikTok. And so I just thought oh I'm going to clean my windows with this TikTok hack. And I'm like, okay, this doesn't sound promising. It's, that's where people are getting their medical advice, right? Yeah. So if you're telling a story on TikTok and you're like, well, now I, well, this lady said that I could have this from that. But then I do see a lot of like really good stuff on TikTok too. So it's hard. It's hard to navigate that. Yeah. 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 I mean, cleaning windows is very different than medical <laughs> advice. So. But you'd be surprised at how much people take to like their really? TikTok like advice. Like mm. they'll like buy something on TikTok and they'll be like, oh, it's, this is, this is, this has got it. And I like, or like a recipe. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this has got to be good. I saw it on TikTok. And then you're like, you make it. And you're like, this is not that good. Yeah, Yeah, it looks good, but it doesn't taste good. So what are your thoughts on like South Asian remedies, like the WhatsApp doctor who comes in and like you get the four words where it's like, I don't know, you eat the ashwagandha pill and PCOS is cured. Ashwagandha cures everything. Ashwagandha. (laughs) Honestly, there are a lot of like really great remedies in small quantities and yeah. if you think it's gonna work like i love magnesium magnesium is a really great vitamin yeah. i think it's like good for headaches it helps me poop it helps me sleep it hel- it's like one of those really underutilized vitamins um and i literally will tell a patient and they'll poop all the time now and they're like thank you so much dr ahmed i'm pooping i'm so happy and i'm like i just told you to take magnesium um you can't go by i mean during covid those whatsapp doctors were cray what were the, it that, was that's really bad one drink that was going around the kata did you guys no oh it was one drink that oh they... the black the black pepper yeah oh, my, my yes. father-in-law dropped off some like black pepper and i was <laughs> like i literally like never opened the bag and i was like like i think like a couple of months later i was like i have this for you. <laughs> you there are a lot of like natural things you can do for like endometriosis, there's like something called DIM. It helps remove estrogen out of your body. It's a supplement like turmeric and curcumin, like all this stuff. Like there's no harm in doing some of them, but some of them, like I've had patients like find this, like, I forgot what it was called. I don't even, actually it's better. I don't even mention it because something for the prostate. I think he it, it was used for hyper arousal to like improve his sex drive. Mm-hmm. And it like went, he went nuts on it you know, into overdrive and like crazy and just chill, like balance, people balance. balance. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you're saying, I guess what I'm thinking, like pelvic pain therapy, <laughs> part of me thinks more yoga than anything. Yeah. That's oh, like yeah. the what, image that I get exactly in my mind as well. So pelvic physical therapy is actually done internally inside the vagina or rectum. So those are the two holes you can get into. And so they go in. It's like doing a massage on muscles, but just with their finger. And PTs are trained to do this. They take a course in this. It's like very well known, respected. And you really are not going to treat men until, you you know, like I think the way the PTs are taught to do this is they have to use your own body. And so this is a very private thing. A lot of pelvic PTs are out of network, which means um, insurance covers them like at an out-of-network basis. So it could be kind of costly. I work with the pelvic physical therapist to help navigate what they're doing and figure out if there's stuff we can add in, like medications, suppositories, like I said, pelvic floor injections to help needle the muscles and make things move along much faster. Because um, sometimes patients will go to pelvic physical therapy for months, like years. Like if you've had 10, 15 years of pelvic pain, it's not going to go away in like two months of PT. 
that restorative yoga is good. There's lots of exercises to help deregulate the pelvic floor, but like these are usually restorative yoga poses, not like hot yoga that's like getting you all sweaty and like, you know, stressing you out more if you can't do something. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. it's meant to kind of like restore your body to like neutral and get your pelvic floor relaxed. Got it. We were actually just talking about hot yoga yesterday and how doing yoga and feeling like you're going to pass out at the same time. I can't not do fun. it. Yeah. No, that's I can't not what I'm it, looking yeah. for. Yeah. Um, it, have you done hot yoga? Do you like it? Uh, no, I can barely do regular yoga. Yeah, same. So. <laughs> and I get, I was telling her, I get so hot. I like overheat when I exercise. So yeah. like the idea of being in like a sauna. Yeah. I like like yoga poses. Like, yeah. I'll do like pigeon for fun and I'll do like you know, get those into are child great. Pose Anything that and, like opens yeah, up your yeah, hips. Yeah, opening the hips and all that. So That's important. like great for pelvic pain. Yeah. But not for fun. Like I can't do a class of hot yoga. I, I, I remember when I was pregnant with my first, I would go with my friend and I'd use like the pregnancy as like the excuse for why I can't do half the stuff because I was like, <laughs> I'm just not feeling. I'm yeah, not feeling that great. I think I'm just gonna go into child's pose. I'm good. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a really good stretch here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Curious about like if you wanted. I guess patient, but we'll talk about both. So patients, like what, what would you want them to take away from this? How can they advocate for themselves? What should they be aware of? And then specifically for South Asians, right? Is there anything that you, I mean, I think like any patient, um, South Asian or not, but like generally speaking, South Asians have a really hard time talking to their parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, utilize social media, utilize Reddit, utilize cousins, friends, um, that may be a little bit more liberal or open to speaking to find someone because sometimes like I'll have patients who will say, Oh, my friend found this website for me. My friend did this because you may have like trouble Googling things because you're like, Oh, I don't want anyone to see my search history or I don't Mm -hmm. want anyone to know I'm having this or like even girlfriends saying like, Hey, listen, like I'm having pain with sex. I just got married and I never had intercourse before. Um, and so sometimes I'll ask patients like, Oh, does your partner use their finger? And they're like, no, he's never used your finger because it always hurt. Like, I I was always like a little bit surprised when people like say like they didn't ever did this or they never did that. And I realized a lot of people just don't have much sexual experience. And so they'll say like, oh, I'm not orgasming or I'm not this. So having these conversations amongst friends, it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how to say like, don't be embarrassed. I'll get, a, I've actually gotten a few young patients say like, I can't orgasm or I've never had one. And I'm always like, that's really great. You're here. Yeah. Most people like just don't make it to this door, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. to do that, to say that. Um, number one, don't feel ashamed. And then the other thing is, is like, especially for the younger kids now who are like 16, 17, 18 times have changed. Like, us moms are kind of cool now. Like (laughs) we, like I am like all about like ordering my daughter period panties and I'm like, let's get contacts in your eyes. Let's do things. Like we're not walking around with like hairy armpits. Like, you know, (laughs) like we're like, let's go get lasered. Let's do this. Like, you know, back in the day, like I didn't know what deodorant when I was, I was like in middle school. Like it's very different. Like parents want to know about things like we want to know if you're not feeling well we want to know if you're having pain we want to be able to help you we want to be able to fix things like we want to have grandchildren like (laughs) this is how we're gonna have them so yeah like (laughs) this grow it's it's the hard it's the harder part is like the 30 year olds and the 40 year olds and the 50 year olds now who have to navigate this by themselves Mm, um but the younger the younger ones like the 20 year olds like the early 30 year olds like you 
like you can speak to your families, you can speak to your friends, like you just have to do it. Like mm-hmm. literally, I remember reading something was like, oh, you never talked about poop with your friends. And because like, you know, is that like super taboo? And I don't know. And I was in college, like me and my friends, like I remember one of my closest friends, she's like literally could never poop. And we were roommates a whole bunch of times. So she'd be like, hey, guys, I just can't. I just can't go. And like, <laughs> and like, you know, it's funny because like we were talking about poop. Now, I don't know if it's because we're doctors and like, now, but we were college students at that time. Yeah. So you can't really avoid it when you're living with other people. Like it is going to come up. I yeah. Feel like, like when, sure. I Well, one of my roommates, we knew whenever she was stressed because she was running to the bathroom all the time. Oh. We were like, oh, she has the stress shits. This is really, <laughs> she's really worried about this meeting. Yeah. See, like, so I yeah. think it's changing. I think times are changing. Yeah. And like, you just have to be like, listen, like, this is what's my, my current situation. Like, okay, yeah, maybe the pooping is stress, but maybe it's not. Like, hey, I'm having painful, um, it's my like I'm my my rectum hurts when I poop and then you know you're talking and you're like how are your periods maybe it's endometriosis maybe you should look mm-hmm. into it start googling what the symptoms are and you could like literally save your friends lives like mm. it's kind of crazy yeah I mean I I am not an MD I just like work in this space from like a business perspective and even so I think that a lot more of my friends now I know as soon as they start trying as soon as like they have like painful periods and I'm like you guys I'm not an OB guy but I can help you like kind of like get to the right person but it really I think once I started working in the space it was really eye-opening how many of my friends truly had different pieces that they were just suffering from like silently I think there's just like a lot of different I one of the ones I always talk about is like um persistent genital arousal disorder I always whenever someone Mm. says like is there anything going on um that one's like one that's can be really discouraging also because there's not a ton on social media there's it seems really discouraging and it's like an arousal that's like not going away, but not in a good way. And people get really frustrated because like you'll orgasm and that'll still be that sensation. And so, you know, people usually laugh because they're like, that sounds like a great thing, but it's actually really discouraging because like you can't function, you can't focus. A lot of people quit their jobs. There's just a high suicide rate because people don't know what to do with it. Um, And the other problem is, is if it starts very early, you know, mentally, you're just have a harder time dealing with it because the anxiety levels, the depression levels are much higher. That's also something that people treat. And you know what? I actually haven't seen a lot of daisies with it. So I'm just wondering if like it hasn't made its way there or people just don't know to reach out about Mm. it. So if you're listening and you have an arousal syndrome and you should seek help for it. Yeah. What are the treatments for that? It's a lot of different similar stuff with pelvic pain medications suppositories physical therapy injections yeah it just makes it's crazy that so many people just live with these things for years yeah right like just just being uncomfortable for years on end like it it's wild it's It's wild wild. and that's honestly like why i stay in this field like it's very overwhelming it can be very exhausting um because patients are very as expected, you know, need more attention, lots of questions. Um, but, but they're also very grateful yeah. and they, you know, appreciate any help that they get. They appreciate the phone calls. They appreciate like, you know, it's a lot of like handholding. And so that's basically why we stay in it. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you. This was awesome. I, I love that 
you're spreading awareness also by doing these things. So we really appreciate you being here. For anyone listening, I think, you know, if there's anything that you want to hear more about in this episode that you related to, please share with us, share your stories, share with your friends. So thanks everyone. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.